Hey guys, my name's Echo Kellum. I play Curtis Hall, aka Miss Terrific, on CW Arrow, and you're listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Welcome to another marvellous edition of Neil Before Pod. I'm your host Craig and this time we are gathering in our secret kingdom to discuss the latest Marvel Studios release Black Panther. Joining me in this next slice of the Marvel Cinematic Universe we've got Aaron. Hello. Angus. Good evening. And Natalie. Hi. Welcome. I was trying not to say Wakanda. Well this is the podcast where you can say that so... Uh, although I'm not aware of it being a greeting in any form. I know, I feel like it should be. It sounds like welcome, Wakanda. <laughs> what is? Well, I was going to say it's a very welcoming place, but it's not. It's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll yeah. talk about that later. We will. Aaron, are you really Robin Cousins in disguise? I don't even know who that is, and now I'm going to have to look it up. <laughs> Like, so, oh my gosh, I was watching the figure skating and the commentary is this guy called Robin Cousins, who is an Olympic athlete for figure skating, and he sounds like you. Like, he, his chat is like you, and he sounds exactly like you. He must be a good man, but I I, can confirm... That I have never done Olympic figure skating, so no. I was like, I bet he's got this double life. He's also sixty years old, so yeah. But let's ignore <laughs> that part. I don't know how old he is. He doesn't sound sixty, so I was just I've got like, the grey oh hair God. for it. So it could have been. <laughs> I was convinced. I was like, I bet, I bet this is what you've been doing, and this is why we've not heard from you because you're away in South Korea commenting. On uh, the figure seating. That did seem like the most likely explanation. Yeah. Yep. I would have gone straight there too. I like, for ages, I was like, oh, this guy seems really familiar. And Gus was like, and I was like, no, I was like, seriously. And then as soon as I said it. And then you listened to podcast archives and discovered the good comparison. Shout out to my favourite Robin Cousins, you're the best. So, there's a new Marvel film out, which means there's a new podcast out. Because, you know, they seem to coincide. Um, what comes first, though, the podcast or the, the film? It's definitely the film. There, there is no existential answer here. <laughs> that really got me thinking. It did it? Oh, well. If a film falls in the woods, does anyone hear the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Judging by our listening figures, the answer is no. what are you talking about? We're, like, number seven on the iTunes charts for podcasts about movies. Are we? Disclaimer, we are not. <laughs> Can we back up that number? But if, we, if we tell everyone that we're brilliant, then people will believe it. This Just is saying. true. Yeah, yeah. We are brilliant. We are brilliant. Back up your bad self, Craig. <laughs> okay, so new Marvel film. Um, I love Marvel films uh, to, to varying degrees. Depends on the film. But um, <laughs> without spoiling it, what are the thoughts on Black Panther? So, Natalie, you can go first. Thanks, right when I took a bite of my cookie. Okay. Mm. Well, I went into Black Panther kind of already forgetting what it was about. And then I said to Gus, should I Google this? Do I need to Google what this is about? And he said no. 
Let the movie do the talking. It's a bad film. You should need to Google it before watching. So we sat down, and it was beautiful. There are some really beautiful scenes in it. It's a bit like The Lion King, <laughs> like, and the rule, and but we'll talk about that. And and uh, prepare and I love, for a Kung Fu Panda reference. I love all the why? What Kung Fu Panda reference? Are you just always Kung Fu Wakanda something? All right, Kung Fu no, I hadn't thought about something. Um, yeah, beautiful scenes. Uh, great, fantastical technology and worlds, and um. And great, um, great actors. Like, really enjoyed the cast in this. Um, like, I was gonna give like a night, like a number score, but I don't even want to do that. I just want to say it was really good. On to Gus. Yes, uh, the host will decide. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's just because he's right here and I'm looking at him. Gus, what do you do? <laughs> I fully anticipated that. <laughs> Non-pivot. Set me up for that joke. You know? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed it as well. I um, I think that not to get too kind of bogged down in analysis of where it falls in the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe immediately. Well, I'll but come I on think to that. that yeah, <laughs> but I think that you know, for myself, uh, some of the more recent kind of origin stories have have uh, had some of the best. Uh, rewards when it comes to um, the MCU. So I think having this, and you know, obviously it touches on what's come before, but it was just really kind of refreshing to have a totally new uh, country and universe almost to mm-hmm. to explore a whole mm-hmm. cast, new cast of characters to get to know. Uh, so I think kind of along the lines of uh, an Ant Man or a Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Have I seen Ant Man yet? Yeah, probably. Oh, I still haven't seen Ant-Man. I think that this was kind of quite refreshing, even though it's obviously treading some familiar ground in some ways. Very little, though. Well, it's a superhero movie that um, we'll get onto my thoughts on that later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Aaron, spoiler-free, go. I, I did, I did like the fact that this film introduced a bit of purpose into its plot that the rest of the Marvel films have not needed by any means but I just like to see a bit of that purpose as, as I discovered in other podcasts where I, I rail against the ones that are just too much fun, except Thor 3 which seemed to break that mould and was good and was all fun and above that I think it did for its own audience what I don't think Wonder Woman really succeeded in doing so I think they 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 hit their we're bringing this to Hollywood a bit better. I think they executed a bit better in this than than I think Wonder Woman did. And overall, whereas the plot was yeah, it's a superhero plot with the, with the with the villain that gets defeated and a bit of an adventure on the way. The villain was was a, was better than some of the other films, and it was connected to that a bit more purpose, a bit more meaning in the background that gives it a bit more weight. So. I, I don't think I came out of it thinking, oh my god, this was the best film I ever saw, but there were a lot of points to it that that made it a strong film nonetheless. Yeah, I'd agree. I really liked it. Um, I like that it, it's an, it, is an, it isn't an origin story. If you want the origin of uh, T'Challa becoming the Black Panther, then you watch Civil War, because that tells that story. Uh, you know, as in 
well, I'm not going to spoil Civil War for those who haven't seen it, but, you know, there's a definitive point where he becomes Black Panther, where he wasn't Black Panther before. But this this film is more about him becoming king, I would say, rather than um, rather than discovering his powers and getting used to his powers and all that stuff. So it is different to previous superhero origin stories in that respect. Uh, it's more about building this world, and Wakanda is, is great. You know, you could almost have an offshoot universe just set in this place. Because there's just so much to it, and there's clearly so much of it you just don't see. You know, you see it in the in the background or off to the side, but there's a lot that you could explore there. There's an actual culture there, and I think that's I think that's what you were alluding to here in the bit of purpose. You know, they they actually developed a culture, although they they do it from the ground up, whereas previous MCU films are kind of latching on to what we already know to exist and and kind of playing around there. So. Yeah, really positive about this one. Uh, interesting that so late in the game, uh, with this being the last stop before Infinity War, that has very few kind of ties to Infinity War as well. Um, all in all, very positive. Yeah, have to agree. Really liked it. So have we all exhausted what we can say without spoiling it now? Uh, and should we just move into our uh, the secret spoiler Territory, vibranium, spoiler place. Dive into the vibranium mine. What's the like sound that you're gonna that you're gonna use? If I can find the vibranium sound effect, then I'll I'll use that. There's a sound effect for for vibranium. Sort of, yeah. It's it's hard to describe, but it is quite definitive. Every time Cap twirls his shield or something, it makes a distinctive sound. (gasps) Is that vibranium too? Yep. How did he get that? Um, Howard Stark got hold of some and turned it into a shield. Sounds like a different podcast. Sorry. Yes, this that will be in our MCU podcast that may or may not come before Infinity War. Uh, Aaron, are you ready to go non uh, go spoiler or not? Do you have anything? Uh, it, I guess it depends what you want to talk about. Do you, Do you want to go into any of the the associated social politics that's that's with it, or do we bring that up later? Or I feel like that could be that would be enhanced by kind of spoiling. The spoiler cool. section because you be able to delve more into how it relates to the the characters and and what they go through. So, um, so I'm comfortable to move on. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so Yippee! we'll start with <laughs> we'll start with story. Uh, as as every film has a story. Uh, one thing that I noticed mm-hmm. is how similar in broad strokes this film is to Thor Ragnarok. They're both about princes who become kings, speak to their dead father on the astral plane, and uh, and, and take leadership of their people. That mm. seems a bit like it's just three points there, kind I of. I'd say broad strokes. But yeah, even the broad, broad strokes, that's, they're not really broad. They're, they're three small strokes on a large canvas, I think. I don't know, I think you might have reached over the canvas and fallen onto it a bit there and <laughs> continue metaphor as designed. Aaron, those are some bold... It's coming out fighting. Some bold marks, but... Um, they would have been if I'd have got a good metaphor, but I just couldn't get to it. I need, I need you, you the artist, I need you to give me a, a proper painting metaphor that would, would really would have been stinging there, so go now. Who are we talking to right now? Okay, we've lost it, so... Yeah. Wait, did you mean me? It's over. It's too late, it's gone. It's over. It's too late. (laughs) 
The moment is past. <laughs> the moment is past. I'm sorry, I failed you. Okay. You you may continue. Yeah. So um, it's just something that I considered after <laughs> in the film was that these, you know, there there are kind of some similarities there, and the fact that both Thor and T'Challa are kind of these heirs to the throne. You know, the um, the the astral plane thing is, exists in both films. It's just. I don't know, it's, just, it's a weird connection. Um, and, and I did is it the same that... astral plane, though? Well... No, because it looks like the astral plane exists. Or is one of them an Asgardian astral plane and the other one's a Wakandan astral plane? <laughs> they all have it I think the astral planes, though, are like, separate. I think it is, like... Because... Ah, but it visually interprets itself. It's different for each people. Yeah, so the interpretation... Whose astral it is. <laughs> 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 such a <laughs> <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> uh, I hadn't even thought of that until right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, but it uh, looks like it's different for like different people. Well, so are they even the same place? Sees it as the the African plains. Um, Killmonger sees it as the apartment that his dad was killed in, and Thor sees it as some random cliff in Norway. So yeah. Yeah. So Does I think that it's allow like, us to. Just say they've got they've got the same spirituality, I guess. I see what you mean with the fact that they've both got a father to deal with, to inherit from. So I, I see I see the link there. I'm not sure that beyond that is it is it really massive to the film? No, I'm not. Is it, is it just a nice link? Film. I just um, I just thought I would mention it. Yeah, yeah. There are nice little about, links. And Thor didn't Odin, you know, he'd like done his family wrong by uh, I don't know what it was banishing Kate Blanchett or something what ha- yes. where did she come back from yeah, yeah both them um, both kings aren't cra- what they're cracked up to be that wasn't in yeah, the notes yeah had done yeah, some bad as well yeah so there is that similarity yeah but also oh. they're in the same universe so of course there's like shared astral planes this Mackenzie <laughs> theory is sounding more and more plausible all the time. So basically, Marvel just made the same movie twice and you didn't notice. No, that's not... I'm with Aaron on this. Okay, you can have these I'm not links actually saying that. See, I'm just... I'm you just can say it. that there's little links and stories and it's all about whatever, but, like, if you look at anything, it's all about the male figure and a male figure dying and then them having to be so much better, Spider-Man. Um, so... <laughs> You could say that about any of them. I think Craig okay. was just playing Daredevil's Advocate. Daredevil's <laughs> Advocate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is terrible. How long have you been... How many podcasts have you been waiting to throw that in? I think he just throws them off the top of his dome. Yeah, like. yeah. but now before pod encourages puns on every level. He's just well-practiced. <laughs> you have encouraged more, this mastery. Honestly... Yeah, I was going. To, I was going to say that for some people, uh, the Thor films are all about the male figure, but um, I got was interrupted before I could say it. Well, in that case, it doesn't count. Sorry, no. <laughs> Angus wins. You lost. So, like, I anyway. Talk about puns. We need to have more because I want to be. I want to turn them into t-shirts and tote bags. <laughs> <laughs> You're all have no budget, right? <laughs> I yeah, but you've got to invest money to make money. All right. Well, I've been doing so. that for like three years now. And <laughs> <laughs> you just don't market yourself correctly. Hi, we're looking for sponsors. Okay, so now back to the um, T'Challa and that. Yes, so 
Black Panther, as I said in the spoiler-free section, uh, you kind of get T'Challa's origin story as Black Panther in Civil War. Um, and this film is all about him accepting that responsibility, the morally kingly responsibility in becoming becoming his own version of king, which I found really interesting. I think that um, the, this conversation he had with his dad on the astral plane really stuck out to me because the whole idea of uh, it's very difficult to be a good man and a king. Uh, I found that interesting, especially when you consider what was in T'Chaka's past, you know, the, the mistake he made and and the lies he told. It's, um, it's an interesting commentary on leadership, I suppose. I think it's more that it actually connects to a certain reality, which the... Obviously, superheroes films and and TV are going to struggle to do in in great detail. You know, we're not saying this is real, but they still have to say it's it's believable. You know, suspension of disbelief and all that. Whereas, so this one's trying to to get you to the the, the heart of royalty because we do have in modern Western culture royals as a as a mythical thing that's somehow perfectly good. But when you look in history majority of royalty were really nasty because... Don't say majority, say all of them. They're all okay. absolutely fine. <laughs> Alright, um, let's, let's go with all of them then. Because because you had to be there. You, you, in order to win at the game of dominance, you needed to be the most dominant, and that involves stepping on other people. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see that when presented with this royalty here, they showed a bit of that. The 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 best friend of T'Challa was actually also a, cl- a a social climbing not social climbing a politically climbing noble, and when he thought his king wasn't strong enough, he turned his back on him because yeah. you can't afford to have friends, and it, it showed that brutality of kingship to some degree. It wasn't complete by any means, obviously, because it was still a Marvel film, and but it, it's nice to see that there was some real threatening of politics. And, and potentially even some backstabbing there that you know has to really exist. Well, even all the tribes come to prominence through violence. You know, you've got that ceremony where people have the opportunity to challenge the king or the, the would-be king. So T'Challa had to win his um, his seat on the throne. And it is, you know, it's almost the, the kind of violent dominant yeah but i don't think i don't think that that's how his like father or his grandfather won their their seat though i think well they always say there's not been any challengers forever yeah they yeah it was a rare thing but still like so i thought it was interesting that you had the the four that didn't challenge and then there were these sort of not antagonists but obviously set up you know that there was a counterpoint of view uh, you know that not everyone um was happy with just kind of letting him ascend with letting history sort of repeat and continue on the way that it's always sort of continued on. Yeah, and there is the weight of history as well, because everyone has expectations that T'Challa will be different to T'Chaka. Bless you. <laughs> and um, those expectations aren't met. You know, it's pretty his friend kind of, as you said, Aaron, turns his back on him because he's like, I thought things would be different and they won't be. And it's, um, it's the idea of... Wakanda isn't going to remain hidden forever because the rest of the world is very slowly catching up. So it's the you know this idea that they're they're feeling threatened by the kind of developing outside world and um, there is a undercurrent of change because otherwise why are they making this film if it's just going to be this, the same thing? But it's the idea that things do need to change for them in some way and 
T'Challa is stuck in the past in the beginning. I don't know if T'Challa is stuck in the past because you see in the movie that he he changes how he views everything. I don't think it's he's stuck in the past. It's just that he's literally just starting out. He, he, it's his first day in office and uh, and he hasn't seen that side of things. So I think he actually... Do you think he feels the weight, that weight of tradition and kind of a responsibility to Well, yeah, because he has, this, he has this discussion with others. You know, others say, let's go and arm our people in other countries who are, like, worse off. And he's like, no, like, let's not get involved because he doesn't want to disrupt um, peace for his people and he sees his people... Like you know, is a higher priority. But I think he, you know, the course of the movie is for him to change. But it's not that he's stuck in that. It's just that that's just all he's seen before. He didn't see the apartment. He didn't see his uncle and the struggle that he had with um, wanting to protect the people who who lived there who didn't have, you know, that, you know, that they had that underhand. So underhand is not the right word. What we're thinking of. I don't know. <laughs> Alright, well, you know, there's people who need his help and T'Challa's dad, you know, denies his brother's request for helping them, so... Yeah, his, he, wor- his T'Challa world doesn't is... know about that. T'Challa doesn't know about about all of those things. He's quite ignorant to all of that. Yeah, his worldview is certainly shaken throughout and uh, it's interesting because the villain teaches him a few things about the kind of reality and of the outside world. The, you know, the thing that he's been largely, as you said, ignorant of. So he's mm. been he's been in a situation where you know he's a privileged individual. You know, he's he's lived a privileged life. He's lived a very isolated life, and I get the impression that the kind of events of civil war were the first foray he had into kind of the outside world. And obviously, he was feeling quite vengeful because he thought that Bucky killed his father and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. um, but after that, it becomes about okay. Now we're back. We can forget about all this crap that's going on outside. Um, we'll just stick to ourselves because the outside world is is too dangerous. And then there's this whole fear of cultural contamination as well you know they they don't everyone in their film has an opinion which is interesting you know no one is no one's opinion feels like well this isn't well thought out which is something i really like so whenever someone makes a point they have a point rather than no that doesn't make any sense so the Mm -hmm. the the idea of we don't want to open our borders and help people because that would let people in and i don't want to let people in i'm happy with my culture the way it is thanks you know but did you not think but that's not what he says. He doesn't say it's about the culture. He says it's about the resources and uh, and the upset of the There is the mention of the peace, way of life, thought, though. Yeah. Like, which, like, yeah, but it's not... That was one point. It's not, like, the whole reason, which is funny because you view it as, you know, if you think about prime audiences, you're going to go with American. And I know, like, a lot of... I know the rest of the world, too, but if you think about... British people who had that whole thing about refugees and about America being like, you know, refugees not wanting them and stuff like that. And it's all about, well, that's that was their fears and concerns is, well, it's just going to take all our resources and we're not going to be able to do anything about it. And, and really... Uh, do you know what? I thought it was so well, it's, that's politically one of the, charged. That's one of the things that makes this interesting... It's very interesting because it has that connection to modern day actual problems because yeah, we all 
across the world have seen most mm -hmm. of the countries at the moment are going through a fear of mm -hmm. people coming into our country of taking what we've got and the final right. message at the end of the film of course is the very much we the filmmakers here would rather president trump said this instead of what he's actually saying you know that you, you connect it to america and it, you know they're, they're pretty much saying wakanda is america here and in metaphor, this is what we yeah. want our country to be like. I think it's quite heavy-handed yeah. throughout, but it, yeah. but not in a bad way because I want to see that purpose. I want to see that commentary. And there's mention mm. of that, uh, you know, that thing that's said a few times: the uh, build bridges, not barriers. Which, according to the yes. director, is an yes. old African proverb. You know, the um, which is it's interesting because Ryan Coogler is a really talented director, and he went out of his way to include a lot of kind of African culture into this film. Uh, mm -hmm. sort of picked and, picked and chose different bits and pieces from different African cultures, which is great because Wakanda is supposed to be a kind of microcosm of of them all, I suppose. Which, yeah. I mean, I don't know enough about African culture to know how well they succeeded, but I thought the build bridges, not barriers thing was interesting in of itself. And the fact that it comes from an old African f proverb is yeah. doubly interesting. Never because, has it, yeah, like, yeah. never has it been, like, more, like important to get that message across um but i think black panther was all like was always going to be politically charged because it can't get it away from be. it yeah. like in its name like it, it has to be and um and i was reading earlier as well about when black panther sort of emerged and um and apparently black panther came before uh ever so slightly the black panther party because I think they were both 1966, but I just find it really interesting that um, that they are sort of they are connected. Yeah, it's impossible not to connect them, obviously, because of well the name. But the I think yeah, this film was always going to have a point to make, and the fact that it's set in a in a country and it has to develop a country, you've got to have that. That's wider scope because otherwise it's just another random place that they happen to be in, and I think that they did an excellent job of building that that society. Um, I mean, it looks mm. great as well, um, and the traditions are all there. You know, I like the way they they built the um, the ritual around the you know the the challenge for king and and all these mm -hmm. other little rituals you see throughout as well. I think it's just it's so vibrant and rich and. It just helps play, make the place come to life, whereas it could have so easily been just a place that the film happens to be set in. Yeah, I think that um, the most successful settings that we've seen are are this one, and then you know the the Guardians universe, Asgard. I really like in the Thor movies, and then the planet in um, Ragnarok as well. You know, any time that they have to establish a setting like that that feels different and isn't just people you know smashing buildings up in uh metropolis or new york or you know somewhere that feels like something new and something they're and they're doing a good job of establishing mm -hmm. something new um i think those are the ones that succeed and uh, i feel like they did a really good job just like you mm -hmm. said with, with uh with wakanda yeah like yeah and <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I don't know, costume, like, I don't know, the clothing, the handshakes between, like, brother and sister, and um, and the 
female warriors are amazing. I feel yeah. like they've got. I feel like they're based on like something real though, because I've got a feeling that I've seen that before. That sort of like, ah, uh, shaven head, tall, with that sort of like red robes and spears. But I'll have to. I don't know if I got a, a great idea of what life was like for your average person there yeah because obviously you focus a lot on the on the rituals the the royal family the sort of ruling uh heads of each tribe and that sort of thing which is interesting and you get a different you get a picture of the sort of um a the different sorts of people that are making up their society but you know even when they're out walking in the streets you get an idea of what the buildings look like and the transportation and stuff but you don't really see much of the the of you know individual or sort of everyday on the ground people and you know you get a bit of the idea of the how colorful the culture is and the and the technology they've got you see some graffiti and stuff so you get an idea of like the kind of art and things that they might have but yeah i think that was maybe the one thing that was lacking from the setting was to get a bit more of a an idea of how people live there you know we, we were told that it's like this kind of technologically advanced mm-hmm. but isolationist so like farmers and stuff. I don't know. I feel like a lot of the people that you see though are all involved in the royal family. So it's all. It's like everyone has a, a particular role that they play. Yeah, it's but it's built to be explored at a later point, isn't it? I mean, like this isn't the last time we'll see this location. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is very much T'Challa's story. It's about him and it's about his family and it's about the people around him. So you can only get a limited view of Wakanda from that perspective. Um, because you can only see, you only get to really see what what parts of the the society they're involved in. But there there could easily be a future film where T'Challa goes into the the main streets of Wakanda and and to sort something out, or you know, or maybe another character, because um, this film has a lot of really good characters. Another character has a connection to um, something that isn't quite so regal. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of the films have really gone into that detail about the backgrounds anyway. I don't think it's... No, you don't, you it didn't miss Asgard's, anything. Asgard no, the, slums or whatever. The, definitely not in Asgard, but I think in, in Guardians of the Galaxy you feel like the the universe is that kind of, in quotes, lived in. You know, you get a, a bit more of an idea of who, the, you know, these different, you know, smugglers and people. pirates, people that are just, you know, getting drunk in bars and things like that, how they live, you know, you get a bit more of that on the ground kind of feel. But that's probably because of the types of people that the the heroes, the main characters are interacting yeah. with. I think as well it's probably building a lot more on our existing assumptions because as a good storyteller, you can take shortcuts based on what your people are already thinking. Yeah. And we are so easily going to associate Asgard with pirates. So all they had to do was show us a few people that looked a bit like pirates, and our brain would automatically just fill everything else in. That's true. Know. Asgard with pirates? What? You said we're going to associate Asgard with pirates. I don't remember saying that, but... Let, <laughs> but uh, we're talking, so we're talking about Guardians, yeah. you know. Guardians, right, yeah. As Guardians. <laughs> yeah, you just had, we would automatically associate the people that you saw in, yeah. in, uh, yeah, in yeah, the Guardians just, films with them. Okay. Shorthand or fill in the blanks, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, no, I do agree that you don't get the, you know, you don't get down to the nitty gritty of Wakandan society, but I think... I think the suggestion of it is enough for this film, you know, the the idea that there is a, a bigger world than the rooms that we see them in um, is, is enough, so there's 
there's plenty of scope to explore it in future films uh, mm. if that's what they want to do. You know, I've no idea what Black Panther two will be about, but I might I, I could see it being a kind of insular Wakandan story where you know maybe where the stakes are a little smaller, but um, but all the more important, I guess. Maybe, although the way that they you know kind of open things up at towards the end of this movie feels. I felt kind of unfortunately like you know now Black Panther's kind of gonna take part in the, a wider battle, and so we might leave the sort of um, focused setting behind, which is a bit seems like a bit of a shame. <clears throat> yeah, but it's going to change as well though because they close the movie by introducing the rest of the world to some of their technology, you know, um, and and I think that that's going to change Wakanda, and that's why he has such a an issue with it throughout the whole film of do we do that because it's going to change how they live and they enjoy how they live but yeah you know it's all about sharing wealth around and sharing what they have to ensure that everyone's better off so i think that wakanda will no doubt change by the time any movie goes back to it it cannot have maybe doing like tours and stuff for for people coming in to see where it all started don't know and there'll be some kind of they'll rebuild. They'll have tourists. They'll have tourists. They're not going to not have tourists. Yeah. And there'll be some kind of rebuild post Infinity War, I would imagine. I think everywhere is going to take a lot of damage. Uh, and I think a lot of that, or at least a good chunk of the film, will be set in Wakanda in some way. So um, so there'll be that. What is, what, what is Wakanda? What is the rest of the world post Infinity War? But again, that's another story. Um, I wonder if they'll try and go down the route with the politics they've started though because it it's a it's a dangerous road to start on if if you go too far because logically the way Wakanda is everybody in Africa who is in in any way a bad situation is going to try and move to Wakanda yeah. so are they going to then try and deal with the immigrant crisis from another perspective and try and say, oh, we sort of see what people are talking about when the politicians say we need to have a plan here, you know, um, or, or or do they just have to ignore that because Wakanda has to stay special, it has to stay perfect and we we don't want to ruin it with with, with this type of storytelling or somewhere in the middle, you know, or, or is Infinity War just going to destroy that? Because I think that's the one thing I think with Angus there is just going to be a big mass battle now and we're not going to see anything interesting it's just going to be no the background of africa is going to be used to provide a pretty backdrop for people to get shot in i imagine that they can only really address it i mean it would be it would be brave and interesting to address you know the what what if there were that hundreds of thousands of refugees kind of falling upon wakanda but i think that what they'll show is probably more the aid coming outwards from Wakanda you know they've already said that they can uh, you know they can provide technology and things to to people around the world I think that that's the direction that they'll end up going and saying you know this is how they're supporting people rather than showing much more of the, the repercussions of people coming in yeah I got the impression there was going to be more of an external aid approach rather than opening their borders but uh that won't be Infinity War's story, that's for sure. It will be whatever the Black Panther sequel decides to be called. That will that will be what that's about. What what is this new world like for them? Um, which is fine, you know. Infinity War is about what it's about, and 
um, Black, the Black Panther films should take their own path in terms of exploring what the world they've built in those films means and, and how it contributes to the world around it. So, yeah, there's there's plenty of scope there. Um, what do you think of T'Challa and his kind of key relationships? So, like, obviously there was with his mother, with, kind of with these people. He has, a, you know, he's his friends, um, or well, his his friend. He has his ex girlfriend, um, and obviously with the villain, he has a relationship with the villain. So, uh, I, I mean, I thought there was a lot of layers to T'Challa. So he has that kind of regal distance thing, and and Chadwick Boseman. I think deliberately keeps himself closed off so that you're not quite sure what he's thinking, not quite sure what he's feeling because that's what he thinks is expected of him as king. But as soon as he talks to his sister, he's a completely different person. You know, there's that kind of more relaxed brother-sister dynamic that they bounce off each other with. And that's it's really interesting to see the way he reacts around different people. I think the sibling relationship was probably the best realised one. And then also um, with his father and kind of the way he would look up to him and, and just the, the change in that relationship when when they kind of went through everything, you know, all these revelations about how T'Chaka had treated his um, his brother and that sort of thing. So I think those were probably the most compelling, as well as with his cousin. So it's all all, that, yeah. all in the family. Mm. Well, it was like with his ex yeah. as well she he was like he would flinch around her and you know she distracts him in in ways that you don't see with anything else so again there's little bits here and there that of where how he changes yeah but i really liked that and actually like i think that all his all of the sort of i think they've made a big effort in all of the sort of relationships that he has with everybody and um and it's true you would act differently with your sibling than you would with your ex or with your parents so it's like it's actually quite sweet to watch it do it i think it was maybe oh it was well done but if they'd done any more it would have been like too try hardy so well, i think that they struck like a really nice balance with with him and his sister um and she's like she's amazing she's like some sort of like m character not m character yeah. who am i thinking of q q, q. Yeah. The other letter, um, which, yeah, yeah, which was really interesting to see because I think Black Panther's full of a lot of surprises because it doesn't fit any stereotypes that you have of um, previously like portrayed black characters. Like, it, like, and it is true if you look at movies, you do have so many like stereotypes or boxed in characters and I think this film's amazing because it's just like everyone can do whatever they want do you know one of the only problems I had with the film actually was the fact that they did choose a James Bond connection because the film was so creative in Mm. most of the other areas like the, the the car chase scene using virtual drone technology. I love that. It's just amazing. And you thought, I've never seen this before. Yeah. And I don't know how you get to there without having 
a main superhero who has got all the physical skills is supported by a technological aid mm. and not connected to Bond. So maybe they thought, no, we're in a corner here and we might as well just embrace it. But it's a shame that after having avoided so many black stereotypes, then we suddenly hit an old movie stereotype. And I thought, oh, I wonder if there was a if there was a better way of doing that such that we we didn't draw that connection then to a tra- an old traditional very stuck in its yeah, ways think, white movie franchise yeah. i think you need to look beyond that and view it as an opportunity for um for people to see her as like an inspiration or someone to look up to because not only is it that you've got this person who is doing it and they're black but they're female, and so it's you know it's put into an even bigger place to be to to be looked up at, you know. So I think that it's necessary her character doing the what key, she does, and she was a princess part. as well. And she's a princess, Is like that? do you know I mean it's like totally <laughs> yeah. princess Leia of the whole running the show behind the scenes, like. Yeah. Well, I can't really, deny um, what you've. I, don't think, I can't deny what you've said, and I can't deny the value of what you've said there. I think that. What I would draw the comparison to there is Okoye, who managed to also be a strong female character, mm. who had a bit of depth to her in that she suffered that old problem of, do you are you loyal to Caesar or are you loyal to Rome? Mm. And mm-hmm. and that's that's a that's a big plot point, you know, for anybody in that I character's position. That but she she's also somebody who manages to do what Wonder Woman didn't do, and I think that's that. Is got to be even more important for female representation in in the media because she is a a female character who was in a martial role, but also was very intelligent in terms of both her tactics mm-hmm. and how she dealt with with problem situations, and she got to wear a full set of clothing. <laughs> you know, so she 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 was able to be a kick-ass female without having yeah. to strip down. Like you, you got to, I mean, you you've got to admit that even the Amazons were were wearing pretty little when it got yeah. to it. She was, and there was nothing particularly complicated about the Amazons yeah. setup. Whereas mm-hmm. these, whereas in a single character, Okoye had some some pretty horrible problems to deal with, and got to nonetheless be a strong female character. Yeah. And Okoye also. Um, wasn't brought down by a man do you know like absolutely wonder woman she's all like oh but i'm in love and she's like mate like get to i've got my job <laughs> and i'm doing it like well yeah, I, there was the, the kind of bit where yeah. the um where it was you know does she talk when she wants to that kind of stuff yeah they, yeah yeah they, <clears throat> she is her own person leave her alone yeah there's that uh, the thing about the the James Bond thing, I mean, the reference is obvious. It's you know, you it's there to be seen, and I think, uh, mm-hmm. I think Kevin Feige maybe leaned into that. You know, he talked about how this is Marvel's James Bond. You know, you've got this this guy with all the gadgets and whatever. But um, for that, it, it didn't bother me as such. I mean, I thought it was cool. I like seeing all the the cool stuff. You know, here's some suits. You know, and uh, the key thing there is that relationship. So like, um, Shuri clearly challenges T'Challa in ways that other people don't. It's like the bit where he walks into the lab looking all regal and, you know, all all full of pride. And, and she says, are you wearing open-toed shoes in my lab? And, yeah. And, and just completely. And and, now, and then he's just that little boy that she can get on get under the skin, you know. Um, and, and she does that throughout. She's always challenging him. And um, I, I think that relationship's great. And, you know, it, 
I don't know, in the MCU as a whole, I could see Shuri taking on a massive function later on. You know, when you don't have the Tony Starks kicking about, she is your tech genius that can mm-hmm. cra- come up with anything. So um, she's important for the universe in that respect. But in this film, her role is is perfectly placed because yeah. that sisterly dynamic is important. It humanises T'Challa. Yeah, else. that's exactly what I was going to say. That humanises part because it's really easy for you to view superheroes and and royal superheroes. Yeah, and just keep them. <laughs> I think you know the fact that he's royal. I think is just because that's the only way that they could get around it. Like, I think he would. Ha- I was thinking about this watching it. I was thinking, why does he have to be the the prince? But then you're like, well, given the location. That's how. That's what you would be. You would be the person in power. It's a bit and like the, the Thor and Loki dynamic, where when whenever Thor is being lifted up or hailed as a a king or a you know a great ruler, there's always his wee brother there just to kind of <laughs> undercut him. Yeah, <laughs> slightly different. Huh. Well, yeah, no, Shuri isn't trying to kill him, Marine. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, at yeah. different points oh, throughout the, like... the Thor films, Loki's either trying to kill him, trying to kill everyone in the world, trying to take all the power, or yeah, just different. being a bit of comic relief on the side. True. <laughs> on the scene. Yeah. yeah. But I, um, <laughs> but I, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, what was I going to say? But she Sorry. is always supporting him, and that is her, her main function is here's some gadgets for you, but, you know, she is also there as the kind of familial support. Uh, and I'm mm-hmm. there to knock him down a peg or two when, when he really needs it. Yeah. And that's important, you know, especially for for a king. And, Classic you know. Batman Alfred dynamic. <laughs> yeah, I would say his mother's more the Alfred dynamic. <laughs> oh, his. I absolutely love a Angela Bassett. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, love her. Especially like American Horror Story. Just absolutely love her to bits. So I loved watching her in this. But they've totally tried to age her, but she's like, she's absolutely. Oh, she's beautiful. It's all that vibranium skin lotion. (laughs) No, but they've tried. Like I think they've tried to make her like this mother, and I I was just like, mate, I was like, you're you're too young to to be the mother of this guy. Vibranium. Yeah, her hair is amazing. (laughs) Oh oh my god, how like I have to go back to it, but like the hairstyles in this movie are all just amazing. About all of them, (sighs) including T'Challa's. Hmm. Yeah, pretty good hair. Yeah. <laughs> good beard. No, but like, like, yeah, loved it. Loved it. Killmonger, now that's a hairdo. Oh, his was <laughs> badass. Well, other than his hair, what about the villain? Uh, Aaron, you alluded to him being one of the better MCU villains, and I would completely agree. Um, putting aside his actions, if you consider his backstory, you don't have to change anything, and he could be the mm. hero of that story. I'm not talking about the, the the mountains of people that he kills and, and the kind of general attitude that he has, but I'm talking, like, in his backstory, you could see that being the motivation for a heroic character. And, like, mm-hmm. as, as everyone says, villains, you know, a good villain isn't the villain. They're the hero of their own story. And yeah. I very much get that impression with, with Killmonger. Who says that? Is that, like, everyone. a proverb? Well, like a new, also, yeah, new it's, one those, proverb. it's one of those African writing rules. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those writing rules, you know. Where it's so true, though. Like, it's so true. Anyway, Aaron, sorry. Well, I, I think there's much more to add on that. It, it, he had a proper motivation. Is like and the, Most people turned up in, in some of the other films to be evil. 
and to destroy things, whereas this guy wanted to build something in his own image. So, as you say, he he had a a reason for doing everything he did. So he's automatically better than majority of other villains we're going to see. Yeah. Um, and it's it's kind of the, the portrayal angle. He feels betrayed by his people. He has a bit of a birthright because he's of royal descent. So he feels like he's entitled to something. And you know, and his challenge to T'Challa is a very kind of it's totally violent. the linking. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, it's a very violent and visceral challenge as well, and like you can clearly see the the differences in um, their leadership styles, I suppose, because great wardrobe. Um, mm. <laughs> well, there's that. Yeah, his armor is off the chain. I have to say, like the the um, I missed that. What did he say? Did Chris say something funny? Yes. Oh, I missed it. I have listened to it. Um, has to say again. though, just give it more <laughs> podcasts. Something that I really enjoyed about the movie was the shift in like who I sympathised with because it happened a lot. Because when I was watching it, and then you see T'Challa go and talk to his dad in the the astral plane, and you, and I thought, oh, this is like the Lion King. You know, it's like when his father comes and says to him, "You can do it." You know, like remember who you are, and um, got all weepy eyed and I thought I was gonna cry. But then, so you're thinking, right, so he's the Simba of the story. But then, like, the cousin comes in and you think, he's the Scar. I'm listening. But then you're like, well, his father was killed by his uncle, so he's the Simba. And he was left, like, in the jungle after, you know, and, like, not taken back to his, like, pride land. So I was like, oh, my God, he's the Simba. Killmonger equals Simba. Yeah. Even though I thought T'Challa was Simba. When Simba came back to Pride Rock, he didn't say, let's go to war with everyone at once. Yeah, but that's because there's two Simbas in the story, and that's what makes it so heartbreaking, because they've both lost their father. They've both felt abandoned. Like, he feels abandoned by his dad. The other one feels abandoned by, you know, his whole entire family, his whole entire tribe. So he's he's worse off. But I felt like I sympathised so much but also hated him at the same time so yeah like he's a really good villain but I just wanted him to be loved and I wanted like for him to to find something but I guess he couldn't change like he it was too late for him and I think he knew that it's a classic case of Hakuna Wakanda (laughs) (laughs) oh dear (laughs) but do you not agree no no I I do agree Uh, and I find his perspective was quite interesting because he is the guy that's lived out there in the real world Mm -hmm. so the thing is he's seen how black people have been treated historically whereas Mm -hmm. t'challa hasn't seen that you know he's lived in a he's lived in a walled community for his entire life so has no idea um how his people you know are are suffering well i think he has an idea but he removes himself from it yeah um to an extent he doesn't feel connected to it he doesn't understand that they're all one tribe yeah, and there's and there's a few things that Killmonger says that like knock him for six, and um, mm-hmm. his kind of final words where he says, you know, bury me at sea where uh, where my ancestors uh-huh. died because they preferred death over bondage. It was I can't remember the mm-hmm. exact line, but it was something along that, and that's that is a real kick in the guts. That one, you know, it's it's just it makes you think. Really like effective. it really makes you think, and I and it just the whole. It's the only. Like I can't think of another superhero movie that has had me so emotionally invested, or like Logan on some sort of. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt 
like emotional for a large part of it and it is because they draw you back to what is happening in the real world like they continuously take you back to this is the fantasy this is the fairy tale this is where your superheroes exist but look at look at how everyone else is living and and you know the, do you know at the start of the movie where um who is it it's not a sister is it um Nakia that's in the back of the van with all the girls yeah that's Nakia yeah yeah, yeah. and she's wearing like like a hijab and stuff and she totally mm-hmm. kicks ass so we've also got a black woman in a hijab kicking people's asses and stuff but there's that boy and so they shoot all the men and then there's the boy who's been kidnapped from his family you know and turned into a boy soldier and she says no not him he's he's been kidnapped too you know and it's all yeah. about he was going to grow up and become like one of those boys like one of the men who who were attacking and taking the women and it just felt like the parallels between him and the cousin like were really strong like that it's that that's the environment that that person's been placed in and that's the only way that you can grow yeah like i just i oh, it really upset me it really upset me because that's like true for a lot of people and i think like, in many ways t'challa learns a lot about the outside world from killmonger you know the things he hears are it let him in on a few uncomfortable truths that he's been kind of ignoring so i think um, it may not be the the sole reason for him deciding to let the wakandan people reach out to the world but you know it is in there it is in the mix you know it's um he did learn something i mean the thing is killmonger could not be allowed to continue the way he was going to do because he was going to plunge the world into a war that 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 would be devastating for everyone that isn't equipped with vibranium everything Mm-hmm. But I think that echoes part of the Black Panther Party politics, though, because you had people who were wanting peace, and then you had people who were wanting to go out and just be like, "No, we've got to show, you know, show ourselves to be like much stronger than everybody else, or yeah. be willing to fight for what you believe in." Yeah, and just go out and do it, and and you had like because we were. A few months ago, we were down in London and we went to this pretty awesome exhibition called The Art of Power. No? What was it called? The Art of Power? No, I'm thinking of something else. Ignore me. <laughs> what was the name of the exhibition? Come on, you know. Use your brain. It's the sound of screeching to a halt. <laughs> Shut up. What was the name of the exhibition? It was really important. I can't remember. I didn't know I was going to have this sprung upon me. How did you not? Why don't you just say this exhibition and then continue? Soul of a Nation. Soul of a Nation. Mm-hmm. And it was all like... And I didn't know much about the Black Panther like party or movement or anything until I went to this exhibition and they had like examples and stuff. But it talks you through how um, they all started off with like the same sort of cause and then it just sort of branched out into more and more extremes and... And I think that the cousin is like the ultimate extreme of what they set out to do. Yeah, I don't think there's any illusions over him being an extremist. So good luck editing that because that was like long-winded. Some somewhat nightmarish. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, but you should have a link to the soul, soul of a nation, um, art in an age of black power. So you should have a link to that at the end because it's really really good 
I will put it in the show notes, as I put everything that's mentioned in the show notes. So I, I do agree that he was one of the more compelling villains that we've seen so far. Um, and then it's just a shame that, you know, the, the final kind of fight came down to what I really don't like to see, which is just, mm-hmm. you know, some CGI suits or, you know, computer-enhanced uh, action fighting between... Uh, you know, it's just a lot of people punching each other really hard until the the bit at the end where he, where they kind of um, you know stagger out of the the mine together and he gets to see the sunrise or sunset or whatever it was and gets to have that kind of poignant end to his character. Yeah, that the, that was all good. It's just bondage. The, yeah, yeah, I, I did like that. It's just that the kind of you know it always comes back to who can punch each other, punch the other one harder. <laughs> yeah, but that's what it's. But that's what it starts off as. So it's come full cycle. That's they show you at the beginning with who challenges the king. That's true. It's, it's true. reduced to that, and and that's how it ends. I think. And at this point, I just have to accept that that that's how the end of Act Three of every superhero movie is going to be. Yeah, but at fight. least at least for this one though, that they they sort of tied in with the fact that that's how they would have worn the seat as king. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, True, yeah, but I think that for me, that's like when it came down to that, and even though there were all these people fighting people, people fighting rhinos, uh, yeah, what was that all, all kinds of stuff, it's still that final battle is the kind of bit where I you know, unfortunately start to switch off because I'm a mm. bit like I've enjoyed everything up to this point, but I know now we've got the kind of Big dra- drawn out fight and then you know, the goodie's going to win. Mm. I didn't really have a problem with the um, the final fight as such, although I mean, I, I don't think it's the best one that the, the MCU has had by any stretch. But the, the kind of issue I had was, to me, it feels like there's a chunk of story missing uh, from the point that Killmonger takes over to the final fight. It feels like there's there's stuff in there that should have happened that doesn't. Because you go, you know, you go straight from I'm burning all these plants to I'm going to declare war on the world, and look, here's T'Challa back with his army of rhinos to stop me. And you know, it feels like there should be a bit more in there somewhere. It's not T'Challa's rhinos. It it was one of those sort of scenarios where nobody could imagine living under this guy, and then he takes over, and then everyone's kind of compliant, and they're like, oh yeah, let's uh, let's just fire up the the spaceships or the planes or whatever, yeah, and uh, like Scar. start shipping all the start shipping all the weapons out. Everyone's on board. Like Scar. I think it's because they, they set up a story at the start whereby it's all about good you going to be as a king. And it it's it is very much a character piece on on both of them. So when it comes to the ending, you're expecting that to continue. You're expecting Killmonger to fail because he's a bad king, and you're expecting Charlie to come back and demonstrate that he is a good king, and then as you as you say, perhaps it's it's the people that have to to be a part of that. So whereas they can initially go along with it, because some of them agree, some of them yeah. agree with with him that we do need to arm our brothers and sisters in the outside world so that we can make things better. But then if they saw like the burning of the plants, how that created a massive chaos, they. Could would then legitimately turn on him and then T'Challa turns up and 
can offer them the the right side, the better path again. And you could then have a final battle where the villain's got nothing left to lose, so he goes for it in in a military fight. But you're expecting that battle of kingship rather than battle of physical kings, I think, because of what you've been you've been given as the foundation. Yeah, and there's teases of the, I don't know if we can follow this guy, but we have sworn to follow this guy, so we're screwed. Um, but and, and you do have those, you know, those moments of decision where it's like, you know what, I'm not going to follow you. I think uh, that this other guy's the better option. That's And that's all good, but I, yeah, I just, I wanted a bit more in between him becoming king and then him being I suppose impeached is the is the right word, but uh, a very violent impeachment, I think. I don't know, I feel like they crammed a lot in. They crammed, like, so much into this one movie that, you know, it's like they've taken the best parts of lots of other Marvel movies, just jammed them all together, but I really liked it. What about Andy Serkis? What did everyone think of him? Oh, well, I liked his Ulysses Claw character in Age of Ultron, and I liked him mm-hmm. here as well. I was kind of disappointed when they killed him, because it feels like he could just be a recurring menace that turns up every other film, you know, every now and again. Um, I just thought he was really good, you know, he was he's really charismatic, he's really funny. Uh, he's clearly knows his way around the, the the inner workings of these, you know, these dodgy deals that he makes and, and all that stuff. So he's he's interesting. Yeah, I liked him, and I thought it, I, I was also kind of disappointed that he was killed off because I agree. I think it would be quite funny if he was this sort of minor villain who is always getting foiled and is always kind of breaking out of custody or something. You know, a yeah. bit like a Loki, where he always just pops up and he's kind of someone's minor villain for a wee bit and then gets vanquished again. Uh, but he's that kind of you know um, he's dogged enough to always try coming back for more. There's there's also hints of the fact of what he does is sometimes like required by you know people that try and bring him down other times. So like the the implication was that he was tr- going to be selling that vibranium to the CIA, you know. So there's there's all this corruption kind of going on that isn't quite addressed, mm-hmm. but um, it is there. Who um, who are we talking about now? Claw, Andy Serkis. Oh yeah 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 yeah, he's quite funny. I good. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, one of the one of the Tolkien white guys that's in this film, as has been claimed <laughs> by the internet. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I understood that reference, as Captain America would say. Yeah, uh, I didn't. Um, Andy Serkis was in Lord of the Rings films, as was Martin uh, Freeman. Yeah, and they're both well, white. So. Yeah, I mean, I could I could have come to my own conclusions, but couldn't really be bothered to yeah, there you go so uh, yeah he's he's good and um, enjoyed it I liked Martin Freeman as well uh, and the thing is him and Andy Serkis' character are the only two well the, the only characters that kind of connect widely to the, the MCU and they do so in such a way that complements this film because you can just take from it that um, T'Challa knows what's his name Everett Ross um from some time in the past, you don't really need to know the details of it. Uh, same with like Claw; he's encountered him before. Fine, you know he's he's a known commodity. That's fine. Um, so it's it's quite a good connection to the other films without it being a connection to the other films. I know. never know what accent he's going to have until you know he starts speaking. But I always I always I'm just yeah. But the fact that I have to think about oh what accents you're going to be doing now, like he does it well. 
Um, but to know he was all right. I, I mean, obviously, I was I was rooting for for him when uh, he's in like the little virtual helicopter thing, trying to shoot down all the other things at the end. I thought that was cute. He's all right, but yeah, I don't really. They don't really like they just kind of heal him, and then that's okay. Like they don't really. You don't try and hide anything from him, and I thought for it being such a secretive place or anything like that, that they would have been a bit more, like, I don't know, they're very open with him, and I don't really know why when he's someone who is someone who's in a position that could sell them out, yeah. I'm guessing guessing Shuri's pretty pretty certain that she's going to erase his memory before they (laughs) let him leave anyway, so there's no real need. Can Um, they do that? Uh, I would imagine so. They can do anything else. Mm. They supplied the men in black, so yeah. Okay. Yeah. Legit. There you go. Yeah. Aaron, what did you think of uh, Claw and um, Everett Ross? Well, not that I want to encourage your use of the edit button or anything, but I don't <laughs> think I've got much I can say about um, Everett Ross. He's a small character. I think you've covered him, to be honest. Yeah. What would you like to talk about, Aaron? Uh, I, I don't know. I trust Craig's direction to take me well to the next place. <laughs> <laughs> I just wondered if, like, you know, there was something that, that like, was missing and you wanted to talk about. Yeah, no. I always check in just to make sure. You're just so, he's just so silent. The Natalie tribe offers no challenge. <laughs> uh... So I guess that brings us on to kind of action sequences. I mean, the claw was the the motivation for a particular action sequence. And arguably that the car chase, as cool as it was, kind of has no real bearing on um, the rest of the plot. Or at least... Loved it. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was great. But like, and they're in Busan as well. Yeah, well, it's like we've Busan. got, um, you know, we, we've been given a lot of money to come and film here. So we'll we'll think of <laughs> something. <gasps> Mate, Busan has got a lot going for it. I'll have you know. I'm not as saying people that it doesn't. Who have adventured there? I'm saying that. I'm, I'm saying that uh, Disney or Marvel or whatever parent body you want to associate have been offered a lot of money to go and film there, so they did. Um, and could it have been done without? Uh, I'm talking about in terms of the the context of the wider story. Could it have been done? I think possibly? that it was actually really exciting to have the fact that the movie is like Afrocentric. To have it as the country that they're meeting, South Korea, um, I thought it was really good because normal places choose things like China or Japan or like France or Belgium or something like that or Mexico. <laughs> so I really liked that it was like South Korea. 188 more countries. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, I would have said that it did actually serve a great purpose in the way that a lot of our action sequence don't because the whole point of the scene was them building up to the Korean people pointing their iPhones at him and the only way you're going to actually get to that point is if you're making a massive public display so if he'd have been chasing the bad guy across the rooftops and caught him Mm. at the last moment on the side of of the docks there would have been a seagull to see them so whereas the then (laughs) 
you know, if they've, if they've got this a very big... chatty seagull, though. Very chatty seagull. But if, as it was, they made sure to have a big car chase throughout the whole city. So you've got people going on Instagram, you've got people going on Twitter saying, oh my God, have you seen this? It's what's going on. I'm yeah. there, I'm not there. And then at the end, this whole audience that are lucky enough to be in the place that, that the thing has ended are the people who are going to the mates. I was totally there. See that picture? That was my picture. And guess um, what? It, Korea's got the fastest internet, so like they've got to get out of there. Yeah, and the only correction would be that they would all be on Samsung Galaxies. Oh. <laughs> Actually, I did really like it when T'Challa was about to kill um, Claw and was reminded that the world is watching. It's the idea that you know that, that that's what leadership is. You can't be seen as just murdering people. You know, and mm. um, it's a little bit of that leadership thing. But I don't know. It's it was it was a really cool sequence, and I, I do wonder what happened to all the vibranium they left lying around at their behind them. You know, <laughs> I that thought it was hilarious. That vibranium like, car chassis that gets smashed up, that uh, spear that gets left in the middle of the road. Do you know what? Is there someone that comes in behind them and cleans up? She doesn't leave her spear behind though. Like, do you know when she like has to sort of like sled down the road on like the car door, and she's using her her spear. She doesn't leave it behind though. So, and it's collapsible because some, isn't that well, one that she's hidden? Drop, I'm sure someone drops a spear, but anyway, they've left an entire car chassis lying around. So, like, yeah, but yeah, I really liked it, and I loved the little humorous part of um, oh, who was the one that was driving the car? Shuri. Yeah, when she like she's in like the car seat and like holding the steering wheel. I thought yeah. some some really like old school simple humor. Like I totally loved it. The wig, that was the a good wigs. part. <laughs> Throwing a wig in it. She didn't like wearing the wig and then she used it as a weapon, threw it in the guy's yeah. face. Yeah. 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 And I did like the casino scene. That's. It also feels a bit James Bondish, doesn't it? You know, you've got this... Um, this well, why can't it? Do you know what I mean? Why can't it feel a bit James Bondish? Oh, There's loads of things that feel yeah. James Bondish. Why can't it? Why can't it feel like that? <laughs> oh, man. There's more puns than the Thor podcast. <laughs> I don't know if there are, but I feel like there should be. <laughs> um, I think Hakuna Wakanda was my favourite one. <laughs> that better be a hashtag. <laughs> could be, could be. Uh, if I remember. Away, away. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. I, th- I think that sequence is probably the best one in the film as well. I think it's just... I mean, it's, it's just a different take on a car chase. The... There aren't many action sequences in it, actually, which is surprising in a mm. way because I, th- I thought there would be more. But I'm glad that there wasn't more because it felt like they were all earned, you know. And yeah. the, the, the final battle itself was was not their strongest, I don't think. But you it's know, the most laborious I felt out of all of them. Like it's the one that you were, yeah, like Gus said, just felt a bit heavy and stuff. But then it's kind of like a uh, oh, for a Marvel movie, it's something that I guess you have to have. But also, I think that it was quite in keeping with the rest of the movie, though, like with the story of battling to see who's strongest. I like. To I think I would have preferred something different, actually. And I think they again just this idea that they built up a film going in one direction and then immediately stopped it. I would have preferred it if they'd have dropped the vibranium. I think we'd had enough of that. 
we've we've got vibranium throughout the rest of the film, but they felt the need to get it in at the end because it's so iconic. But I think they could happily have dropped it and made it more about the the ritual of the Black Panther. So I would have had the throne room at the end, and I would have had something like Killmonger giving an order to the throne room full of people. And at that point, all of his even loyal followers say, do you know what, that's a step too far. I'm not going to do that. And as he realizes he's lost control, at that point, you could have had a battle between him and T'Challa in the throne room. And it could have been about... I mean, it, you, you wouldn't have to go heavy-handed with T'Challa saving everybody and Killmonger trying to kill everybody, but I think they could have had it where it was just quite personal between them and and they just had to survive. And they could have easily used him running up pillars and the scenery of Wakanda would have offered loads of little improvised mm. weapons and things. Yeah. Could have gone a better way, I think. Yeah. Some, um, but I also feel way. like I feel like you're describing Sarabi. Simba's mum from Lanking talking back yeah. to Scar. You've, and you've then, already you know. persuaded me that your metaphor is much better than Craig's. I'm on board. You don't have to keep going. I'm just saying that, that scene that you pictured, though, like that you had me picturing of, you know, um, an order being barked, Scar, the lionesses um, being so fed up because they've got nothing to eat, then being like, well, do you know what? We're not going to do that. And then overpowering and then, you know, Simba coming in to save the day. But that's that's the Lion King. You just painted the ending scene of the Lion King, and they probably thought, do you know what? We can't do it like that because it has been done before. So they ripped off. They ripped off other Marvel films instead, <laughs> where they just have a fight at the end. So yeah. I would have gone with the Lion King. I think that's better. <laughs> Maybe they should have done it. In fact, you know, I expect a rewrite. But um, yeah, I I agree with you. It would have been. Don't go starting any. Our idea. Our idea of what Wakanda looks like, um, that natural backdrop, we think would have been better. But maybe the fact that it's in that big mine is pretty Wakandan. Well, there was some clumsy foreshadowing uh, earlier in the film. It's the bit where Shuri says, see these magnetic things? Yeah. You know, they, they hmm. disable vibranium. So you might as well have said, here's where my brother will be fighting the villain later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, it's just one of those really obvious, uh, I can see where this is going. Uh, sort of things, but um, I don't know. On the whole, I, th- I actually thought the um, the underground railway sequence was quite cool because um, even though it was kind of partially formed suits being, you know, disabled or re-enabled or whatever was going mm. on, but um, I like it. It showed that T'Challa is a much smarter fighter, um, you know, than Killmonger is, and Killmonger is mm-hmm. much more much more brutal. And um, ultimately, it's this intelligence that's the winning factor. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, it's good. And I like that scene, but maybe for slightly different reasons. Like, I like that it was, like, reducing them to, like, almost their original state. Like, that they've relied so much on vibranium, but that they shouldn't be relying on it so heavily because at the end of the day, like, they're they're just themselves they're themselves with the uh, vibranium plant infused super strength <sighs> yeah i was gonna ask you about that if they've all been burnt and he's got the last one does that mean that like there's no more uh, i'm wondering if there's like a crop out the back that they didn't tell him about they've got to have a backup <laughs> the private reserve you know yeah but like that was the private reserve no no yeah. aaron sorry I 
I could believe that there could be these plants anywhere. I don't think they just have to be in that one place. Okay. Yeah, well, they talk about how the meteorite affects the plants around it. So yeah. Um, well, if Aaron says it, then I believe it. Wow, that's a responsibility I don't think I can bear. <laughs> it's not an immediate problem. I mean, T'Challa is going to be in, in, in the king for at least another ten movies. So you know, it's it's not something that works. I honestly it. cannot wait for any movie that's got him in it. And you won't have to because in two months, almost to the recording, uh, he will return in an Avengers: Infinity War, as the yes. end of the film says, mm. um, which was teased in a really crap post-credit scene where Bucky wakes up. He has really beautiful teeth, by the way. <laughs> Who Killmonger? No, well, actually, the actually he's got really nice teeth too. It wasn't long until he ran out of places to, you know, scar himself with the. You know the tally of his victims, and he was going to have to use his teeth. I suppose. My God. I did think that he was quite evenly covered with scarification. Mm. And did he scar himself again after killing T'Challa? I mean, he didn't actually kill him, but he thought he did. I wondered. I wondered. I couldn't look. I couldn't see any sort of fresh mark, but it might be that that's the one that he doesn't need to count. Because the crown is the mark, I guess. Perhaps. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the post-credit scene was yeah, whatever. It establishes that Bucky is awake. I we were trying to remember where the hell he has come from because we were like, when did we when did we last see him? What was that in? Civil War. Literally can't keep up. Yeah, but what the hell is he doing there? He was handed over to the Wakandans at the end of that, and was he? Because they, they were the only people that felt we could they could heal him. So he was just yeah, he was oh. just handed over. Because he has those trigger words in his head, and and I guess Shuri's the one that gets him. Uh. She makes reference to him earlier in the film. Actually, it's a very small one though. Um, when when they bring Martin Freeman to Wakanda, she mentions you brought another white white guy or broken white guy. You know, or it, it, that, mm-hmm. those aren't the exact words, but she says something to those effects. Um, so yeah, there's there's that. But this film was pretty light on the MCU connections, which I quite like. You know, I, I like knowing that the universe is out there, but I don't think that it needs to be referenced every five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was one of the strengths, really, was that until you get to a point like that where it forces you to think, what exactly happened? You know, I don't want to have to have done my homework to understand what's going on at a certain point in a new film. So yeah. uh, felt, it felt good to be able to kind of consume it without having to think back and, oh yeah, which one of these, at which point in the overall story did this happen and how does that fit in here? And I, I, I really appreciated that aspect of it. Until the well, very end when we were like, where the hell did Bucky come from? Well, yeah, that's when we had to sort of scratch our heads and think, right, when was the last time I mean, that's a post-credit scene. It's not needed for the film, is it? Yeah. um, The the thing is, this film is actually only set a week after Civil War, which means that it's set before Spider-Man Homecoming. I can't keep up with when they're supposed to be. My brain. Well, to make it even worse, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is set like three months after the first one. How do you even know that? Who has told you that? Because I read things. Oh, 
Plus, it gives you like timestamps and stuff, so like it tells you when, when certain things are. But yeah, it's I all a mess. Just don't know if I can be bothered knowing that all those dramatic things happen so close together. I thought the Fast and the Furious universe was complicated. Jeez Louise! <laughs> is that where the, is that where you watch seven films, then you watch the third one or something? Yeah, like that? yeah. Tokyo Drift happens after Fast and Furious six or seven. Drift. I can't even remember Drift. now. So I need to go back and do my homework on that one. Um, also, what was Shuri doing in like the middle of like a jungle? Because at the end of the movie, she lives in Africa. Yeah, but at the end of the movie, she's launching the science center in like the old apartments that um, T'Challa's bought. Well, so... the thing is, you don't know how far, how how long after that the post credit scene is. Because remember, this is you know this is a week or two after Civil War. You're so supposed to be able that... to tell me what the timeline is for. How I was going to say, where are your timestamps now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, haven't ex- you haven't explained where that scene is relative to. You have to assume that that's pretty close to the start of Infinity War, though. Yeah, but look at how quickly they healed um, Martin Freeman. So how quickly could they have healed Bucky here? Maybe that was one of those jungles <laughs> open. Maybe you shouldn't be living here. <laughs> well, I think it's a... I don't know. I don't know how long mental conditioning takes to get rid of, but uh, it's possible. <laughs> I do know that Infinity War is supposed to be set about two years after Civil War, though, so, like... Um, so maybe the- so it's that a year and nine months after this one let's go with that yes oh my god I don't want to go with that I don't want it to be broken down to months and weeks and days gonna need the Gantt chart <laughs> what? Yeah, that's it well um, what's the Gantt chart? oh <laughs> what isn't it? Yeah. I don't know <laughs> But yeah, it, it makes sense to have it set just after Civil War because the aftermath of that is T'Challa becoming king because his dad has just died. So, you know, it needs to be raw enough for him. So, uh, but What think, movie uh, is it that his dad dies? Civil War. I, I have seen that because, like, the whole... When you guys were talking about Civil War earlier, I was like, have I seen that? But I have seen that. And where do Captain America and Iron Man fight? The bridge in New York. No, in which film? <laughs> which one? Which film? Do Iron Man... Captain America fight. Like oh all God. of them. All of them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a lift? Right. On a plane. Okay. In a boat. What about Loki and Thor? When did they fight? All of them. Okay. <laughs> this is I feel like I'm winning. Is Kate Blanchett's still a thing. Oh <gasps> wait, is she the one in Civil War? No, she's not. She's in name. Um, I can't remember. Thor Ragnar. That there we go. I know that one because she, she's she became the Hulk hot. <laughs> <laughs> she was the Hulk hot for that movie. <laughs> uh, sure, yeah. Um, so the thing is, Infinity War is going to be set quite a bit after this one. So um, you know, it's, it needs enough time for for Steve Rogers to grow a beard. Um, Captain, Captain, fuck you, hair. Fuck you. God. Um, so it needs enough time for that, but the. The wider universe isn't referenced much at all. Uh, there's a news report about Civil War. Oh, that BBC woman who's obviously not, like, English. You know, there's they n- do have the world service. BBC? Maybe she yeah. works for BBC uh-huh. America. Well, I wasn't aware of that, so count me ignorant. But um, I just was like, that's not real BBC news, because she's not even British. <laughs> From my narrow point of view. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one that I know, okay? Yeah. From... Um, Although, I mean, kind of going back, because there's not much to say about the MCU in this film, which is weird because it's set in the MCU, other than Infinity War will happen soon, and, and that's pretty cool. But uh, interestingly, this film has, like, two endings, and it's it's 
What? I was, I was reading an interview with Ryan Coogler where he was talking about how they shot the two end scenes. So you've got the scene of the, the UN and you've got the scene of the you know the, the basketball park. Wait, what? You know, the, um, oh, yeah, yeah, when he goes yeah. and says, I am welcoming myself yeah. to you guys. So the um, so it's interesting because uh, apparently the director deliberated over which ending to use and, you know, the other one got punted into the post credit scene anyway, so whatever. But the, the actual ending, he thought it was, it was more interesting to have a more personal approach. So it was the idea that this is where it starts. We're going to start small. We're going to reach out to the, like, real people. And you almost have that, like, that kid who is a bit like the young Killmonger. You know, he's got the... Because um, you see Killmonger at the start of the film. He's abandoned by Wakanda. Yeah. And he sees the jet flying off and he knows what that means. But you've got this kid who's not abandoned. And, you know, the, the kind of, who are you, last line. I mean, it's a little bit cheesy, but it really works. Yeah. Then he reaches out and uses the force to pull a broom closer to him. <laughs> All the Jedi's. He uses his uh, his vibranium feedback suit. Thing to, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Can we yeah. throw in like a Stone Cold Steve Austin at some point too? What? What? <laughs> I don't know. Just naming moves. <laughs> All right. Cool. Uh, now I thought um, I actually liked that ending scene because it's one of those things where. When you're watching one of these films and you feel like it must be finishing quite soon, but you're not sure at what point it's going to end. And I, sometimes I feel like the the endings are quite effective in how random they seem to be, you know. So like, it almost doesn't feel like a natural point to end the film. But like, I know it has that punch, the kind of "Who are you?" and then it's it just ends. Hmm. Yeah. And it and it's a nice thematic tie-in to the um, to the start as well. You know, the film ends where it begins, which is yeah. you know, poetic mm-hmm. in a sense. It's pretty cyclical, this movie. Yeah. And then it had a good soundtrack. Yeah, I really enjoyed the soundtrack. If you like that sort of thing. It's not my cup of tea, but yeah, sure, if you like that sort of thing. You couldn't have been more white British there. I know. I literally <laughs> just it tossed it at you. <laughs> was it? I, you did say the jokes were coming back. I was forgetting to look out for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was it was so um, it was so subtle that you never even noticed it. So, do you think we've covered the movie? More or less, um, unless anyone has any kind of final thoughts, um, anything we didn't cover. Aaron, did we say anything that did we not say anything that you would like to have said for posterity? I, I think we, yeah, I think we covered everything. To be honest, I've got some notes, but they just connect into all the things that we've already said. So. Can you run us through them very quickly? Um, okay, there's only two things left. I've got the yeah. heroes people aren't perfect, which the is what a good people? Thing. The heroes people, <laughs> okay. they're not perfect. Okay, that's something well, yeah. I noted. Said about an ice skater. Like, oh my god! Four days You're ago. so Robin Cousins. <laughs> I love it. Uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love you, Robin Cousins. I literally don't know what's on. going on, and I was party to the conversation before this podcast started. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's not even going to be in it. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know what the gods of editing will provide. Ooh. Uh, and for the listeners out there, please give us your feedback on uh, Aaron's likeness to uh, Robin Cousins. Guaranteed that doesn't Olympian. Freaking better. Okay, Did you so hear that? Hero, heroes people not perfect. 
Yes, I agree. Not not with the grammar, but yes. <laughs> what else? What else? What was the next thing on your list? I don't think I want the grammar of my note taking to be <laughs> analysed here, but I actually okay. liked the words that you used. I think it's um, it's great. Right. I didn't say well, I don't like them. I just said I don't agree with them. Well, well, I agree can, with it. All right, you can analyse this then. My last note is Shakespeare hyphen Last Jedi. What you can do with that? <laughs> uh, nothing. What does it even mean? That's exactly my point. Yeah, well, this got a bit aggressive at the end here. Shakespeare hyphen Last, Je- last Jedi. Last so, Jedi. Well, it is Shakespearean and it's about kings and fathers and sons and all that. They well, do shake their spear at Shakespeare. Yeah. On on previous podcasts, I've 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 spoken out against people trying to ram in Shakespearean connections, and I think that's one of the problems that Last Jedi had, where they just they randomly tried to get in a betrayal by a father figure, which is which is which is so so very Shakespearean. Whereas Isn't in, Shakespearean? I think so. Like typically, more than anything else. What about real life? Well, it, 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 it was more the it's more the melodrama of the moment in oh, in, in Last Jedi because he, yeah. he's you know the, the the son character wakes up and the the, the big over dramatized oh my god my father is trying to kill me as 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 um, as as Luke is then standing over him and then he's got a big shocked oh, yeah, face yeah, yeah. as he also thinks uh, I I I realized that I was also trying to kill you and it was a bad thing and I have this mistake and it, yeah. it it it's it's over the top and unwelcome I don't think of people trying to get in you know, classical training into Tragedy. their into their storytelling whereas I prefer the the simple background the the subtleties of it which is as I, as I say one of the one of the, the main characters Okoye having to make that choice between Caesar and and Rome, which mm. is also Shakespearean, but it's it's not overly dramatized. It's not rammed in your face. It's simply a description of what's going on. So it, it's more of it using a classic storyline for good purpose. Mm. Whereas Last Jedi tries to to go into almost opera, which I think is which is not wanted. So these people used a, a Shakespearean heritage well, perhaps. Whereas, whereas Last Jedi just crapped all over it. Yeah, I I agree, and especially because the Lion King is based on Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> Again, already sold. I am the choir here, listening to this preaching. Yeah, preach. I will continue to preach. Hamlet. There you go. Shakespeare. Lion King. Boom. Done. On board. Well, so <laughs> the we- end. Well, we haven't quite ended where we started, but closer. Oh, you know, so uh, okay. uh, I don't know if the I thought we'd be done because you know, King, but, but maybe you did. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd have to listen back, and who wants to do that? What you don't agree? Uh, yeah, I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just saying uh, I can't remember if it was the first point you made or not. Uh, if it was, yeah. then it's you know it's a poetic ending. But thanks. Who knows, uh, Angus? Any last things? I uh, don't think I'm going to beat Hakuna Wakanda really. It means no vibranium for the rest of your days. <laughs> Trying too hard now. Lost it. Just lost it. <laughs> no, no, you're no I, I, you've gone too far. I, as I said in my pre-spoiler warnings, I enjoyed this movie because of its kind of origin-y, even though you shot that theory down story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and because we got a, a brand new setting that was... Um, Beautiful. That was great, and it wasn't... Even though we had what I don't like in big punch-ups at the end, which are now unavoidable, uh, it was happening somewhere that wasn't, you know, a 
skyscraper getting knocked over and that sort of thing. So that's a positive. Yeah. Um, I don't really have much else to add. I really, I really enjoyed it throughout. I uh, thought it had some interesting themes. The the connection to sort of real world issues was wasn't forced. It was it was very natural as part of the plot and part of the character. And I can't believe I forgot to mention Mbaku, who I thought was excellent. I thought he was really funny. Um, you know, I need an army. <laughs> no, you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, I but, liked him. He was great. Yeah. Uh, Mbaku mm. is essentially in the comics is a villain as well, the man ape. Uh, which is alluded to, but maybe... Well, he's not portrayed as a, a positive guy, but he does save T'Challa, so... He's quite a funny guy, though. He's constantly like, making jokes and stuff. Yeah, but he yeah. lives in the mountains, like, he has to. And his giant, in his giant ape-hoisted penthouse thing. Uh, that cool. was architecturally beautiful. Magnifique. Yeah, but I'm not sure I'd want to sit in it. It wouldn't feel safe. I thought their masks were the scariest. Just, um, just throwing it out there. They're regular masks, but sure. They like he's wearing like a it's like mask. a gorilla mask, and he mm. and he makes like that noise, hoo hoo, or something like that. I don't know. What was I it? Thought, I thought I actually thought he would take the the, the Black Panther herb and become manape, but obviously not. Well, that's because he's much more noble than we give him credit for. Yeah, but this is just me as a as a comics nerd. You know, I know what happens to this guy in the comics and stuff. Right. Well, also, that's not what was portrayed on the television. So. I know. I know. Or the IMAX screen. Or the IMAX screen, especially the IMAX screen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other than that, um, I'm pretty happy with the film. I really like it. I've only seen it once because I've not had time to see it again. But I do plan to see it again yeah, in the next couple of weeks before it disappears. Um. Super hyped for Infinity War, uh, you know. I'll, I mean, I've always been hyped for Infinity War, but I'm looking forward to seeing more of T'Challa um, and seeing how he kind of connects into all that. T'Challa um, hot. T- nah, it doesn't work. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> well, be that as it may, doesn't really work. Thanks. Thanks for ruining it. <laughs> no problem. No All right. Yeah, I mean, I could I could make some kind of don't call me Shuri reference to get you know what's it called in there, but I won't. I'll, even though I just did. Yeah, I I hope that you edit that out. Mm, probably will. Anyway, in shame. In shame. Yeah. Edit it out well, in we're shame. dying a really slow, terrible death, just like uh, that guy. Go on. What's the cousin called? Cousin Eric. What's his name? What's his real name? Yeah, Eric Killmonger. That's his name. Oh, Eric. It is Eric. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's he amazing they managed to make a compelling villain out of a guy called Killmonger. But, yeah. <laughs> I said to Gus at the start when I googled it, I was like, do you think he's going to be the bad guy? <laughs> and uh, I was Michael right. B. Jordan, another rehabilitated human torch into the mm. MCU. What? So, yeah. what do you mean, rehabilitated torch? Well, he played the Human Torch. Alright. Interesting, considering that the Black Panther first appears helping the Fantastic Four. That's correct. Uh, And Chris Evans once played the Human Torch (laughs) as well. So it's a shame they don't get to meet and talk about how in another life they were failures. (laughs) (laughs) Take that, Fantastic Four! You guys suck! 
No. They must have had a flame on off. <laughs> I hope they did, but I don't know if they ever met. Uh be a shame if they didn't. But yeah. Okay, that, that, I think we've droned on along enough. So, Aaron, thanks for being here. Oh, bye. <laughs> now get out! <laughs> uh, no, I was just trying to wrap up. <laughs> no, I thought, I, th- I heard the aggression as well. I heard the get out too, to be fair. <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't that at all. I'm going to do that again. Aaron, no, I think it's fine here. as it is. <laughs> now get out! <laughs> See, I'm hearing it again. It doesn't matter what you do. That's, well, that's paranoia. That's what that is. Is it easier if I just go, okay, I'm going now, so bye? I don't know. Um, Is that easier? Angus, thank you for being here. Clean exit salutation. And Natalie, thank you for being here. Wakanda. That was our discussion on Black Panther. A special thanks to YouTuber NSTENS1117 for the supplied music. If you like what you heard, then please do subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. And join us on the next Neil Before Pod.